This is the MLW Radio Network. What's going on, ladies and gentlemen? It's your boy, Blackheart, the head honcho off the Top Roast Podcast. If you love independent and professional wrestling and like all the juicy gossip of the wrestling industry, then look no further than here, OTTR Headquarters. You can catch us on Facebook, Twitch, and Facebook groups, and whatever that you get your podcast from with our, with our latest Last Week of Wrestling, After Darts, Under Boss's Hard Taste, and now our new upcoming trivia game show, Wrestling Every, coming soon. So if you like what you've seen, you love professional wrestling, you love independent wrestling, you love everything about wrestling just yourself, give us a tune. You know, you would not regret it. Blackheart out. Everyone knows a lot of things can change in the span of 10 years. But when it comes to professional wrestling podcasting, one thing is still guaranteed. The Shining Wizards is the only place to get all the latest wrestling news, interviews with the greatest guests, and of course, tons of laughs in discussing the world of wrestling. The show is still available on Monday nights at 7 p.m. East on RantDMRadio.com and Rant Entertainment Media on the TuneIn app. And it's still available on all podcasting platforms. To check us out, head over to ShiningWizards.com where it's still wrestling talk and talk about wrestling. Are you tired of prediction shows? Do you want to fantasy book the companies? Does Bigfoot even really exist? If you answered yes to any of those questions, then check out the podcast that isn't a podcast. Every Tuesday and Thursday, the standing streamer stands and delivers as he and Vanessa talk about all that's going on in pro wrestling today. Plus, see in-depth conversations with people in and around the wrestling world as guests share their stories and insights about making it in the business. The Putting You Over Podcast. Putting your weeknights over every Tuesday and Thursday. Good morning, good afternoon, good evening and good night. My name is Thomas and what's your name? Uh, I'm Alan. Alan. Oh, yeah, yeah, oh, yeah. yeah. We're brothers. That's right. Yeah, yeah the mother, same mother and father. Your room was... Oh, we shared a room. Shared a room. For we shared a room. Thought I knew your face. Yeah, we so go we... way back, mate. Yeah. yeah. We should do a podcast then. Uh, we have. We do. We do a podcast. We do a podcast. What's it called? The Broadcast. Yeah, that was planned. Yeah, yeah. Well, what do we do? Well, we cover all different things in the world of pop culture. We're talking about comic books. We're talking about professional wrestling, and we're talking about movies. Go back and watch classic retro wrestling events, the likes of WWE, WCW, and if you do like that, you can check us out on Apple iTunes, also on Podbean, Anchor, and on Podknife. Also, check us out on Twitter at the Broadcast. That's B R O. Okay, yeah, 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 yeah. Ending. Yeah, it's all right. Good on you. Yeah. Instagram also at the Broadcast Podcast. Remember, we don't spell it with a C, we spell it with a K. Sorry, mate. Take it easy. Two Heels and a Face Wrestling Podcast believes wrestling is a buffet. There's something there for everyone. These guys cover local Chicago indie scene, and all of their episodes can be found at twoheelsandaface.com. The number two heelsandaface.com Hey everyone, my name is referee Tony S and this is Heat, the wrestling podcast. Like you first and foremost, I'm a wrestling fan and for nearly two decades I've maintained law and order inside the squared circle in New England and throughout the country, working with some of the best and brightest from wrestling's past, present, and future. Now, I bring my authoritative tell-it-like-it-is style to the podcast world. Join me each week as we go through all the major headlines from the global companies, independents, and in-between. 
and most importantly, the women will receive the coverage and headlines they truly deserve as they'll empower the second half of the show. Plus, I'll introduce you to my friends and colleagues within all forms of wrestling and entertainment, answer your questions, anything goes, no holds, well, questions barred, and throw in some fun surprises along the way. Get ready for the spark that fuels the flame. Listen on Spotify, Anchor, or wherever you get your podcasts. This is your weekly installment of the Front Row Material brand. My name is Mike Freeland. I am soon to be joined by the man from the north, Christopher Budd, the man I affectionately refer to as the ass man. We'll get to him in just a second here. So many things to talk about that have happened since our last episode, AEW Revolution, has come and gone. What happened on that show? What were our thoughts? What were our takes? And what leads us into this week's episode of Dynamite? Also, an update on the WrestleMania card. We'll be talking about that and also some other various wrestling topics that are happening in the world of professional wrestling. With that being said, I'm going to go ahead and bring in my partner. He is from Canada. His name is The Butt. Butster, what's going on, man? This is it, Mike. Another Tuesday night. Bit of a long day at work today, but I get to hang out with you online for two hours. And I think you know that's what? a good thing. I'm not sure. I was just about to say that might be a punishment. I mean, it just, it just, it, just, it depends be. on who you ask. I mean, my wife says, are you paying him to hang out with you? Are you having to pay for friends again? And I said, no, I stopped doing that a while ago. Huh. You don't even, you don't even uh, take care of your bets. All right, moving on. Let's, uh, let's, let's talk about, it still could happen. It still could happen. Mercedes Monet could still show up in AEW and I think she will. And I think it's going to be happening when uh forbidden door is announced yeah but the, she's that's gonna not, walk through no no that wasn't the bet well maybe maybe she will but the bet was it was supposed to was 60 days or 90 days oh, we're past 90 that. days we have not passed that 90 we're, day we're, not past three months. we're close uh, we're close we, okay we made the bet as far as she would when she came to when that big speculation was going to happen right mm-hmm. we got time i have i have faith we have time um like an oreo cookie challenge here let's <laughs> Let me go ahead and also let you guys know that our podcast is absolutely free of charge. Anywhere fine podcasts are made available. That means iTunes, Stitcher, FM, Radio Player, Deezer, and so many more. Anywhere you find podcasts, just go ahead and put in Front Row Material Podcast and it will pop up. If you'd like to see us on another platform as well, definitely drop me a DM and I would be more than happy to go ahead and add that to our destination. But once again, we've gotten some tremendous feedback I've gotten great DMs and our downloads have been phenomenal already for the month of March and we are only a week into it. So we're looking forward to having a great month and that's all because of you, the listener. So once again, thank you so very much. If you know a friend or a family member or a coworker who may enjoy wrestling and would like to have a podcast to listen to either working out, whether either on a uh, business trip or just kind of hanging out, definitely go ahead and pass our name along. We really do appreciate that. Word of mouth is the best way to go ahead and do advertising. All right, uh, Butster, let's go ahead and let's talk about kind of the big thing that's been going on. Let's start the show off by doing an AEW Revolution review. We're going to go over the winners, we're going to go over the losers, and then clearly we're going to talk about what we felt that we liked and what aspects did we feel like uh, kind of lacked. Uh, let me ask you this. Did you get to see the entire pay-per-view? There was no bad matches. Yeah, I'm with you. No, no bad matches on the card whatsoever. Uh, looks like we do have still some technical issues here with a delay. 
Uh, I do blame uh, your country, but let's go ahead and let's let's talk let's talk a little bit about uh, the matches themselves because there were several really good matches that we kind of talked about uh, last week that could steal the show, but we're going to kind of go over the card first and let you know what actually was on the card. So Ricky Starks was taking on Chris Jericho. Jungle Boy was taking on Christian Cage in a final burial match. We're going to talk a lot about that one. The House of Black was taking on the Elite for the Trios Championships. Jamie Hayter was taking on Ruby Soho and Soraya for the AEW Women's Championship in a three-way. Hangman Adam Page was taking on John Moxley in a Texas Death Match. Wardlow was going against TNT Champion Samoa Joe. The Guns were in a fatal four-way. We're going to talk about that one. MJF was taking on Brian Danielson in an Iron Man match. Um, let me first start off with, uh, the, the venue itself. It was, it took place in the Chase Center in San Francisco, California. They only ended up, uh, getting about 83-ish hundred tickets were distributed. I think the end number was right around 10,000-ish that actually were there. What was your, uh, what was your take on this? Because we've seen that AEW does have a hard time packing venues and a lot of things get tarped off and whatnot. Does that bother you as far as A, a wrestling fan, or B, as somebody who wants to see the company do well? Is it kind of a little frustrating that the, the numbers are kind of stagnant when it comes to attendance? Um, it's frustrating, for sure. However, it's their own fault. Tickets are expensive. AEW tickets are god-awful expensive. I know they were when they came here to Toronto. I can only imagine they would have been a pretty penny for the pay-per-view. I didn't look it up. You, They would get further ahead to charge us a little bit less and get a full house and make their money on, on your, your merch booth. I think that would be a better bet for them. They're not attracting new fans. AEW does not seem to be attracting new fans any way, shape, or form. Their numbers are fairly consistent all the time. And I don't know if that they're okay with the Hadra little niche market and that's it or not. I'd have to see them grow, get bigger. I don't know about compete with WWE. That's a big ass. That's a tall order there. But I'd have to see them get a little bit bigger. Yes. Yeah, it's a it's a very interesting thing because AEW fans very much kind of draw that proverbial line in the sand when it comes to, hey, we're definitely pro AEW. We're not WWE. It's not just this universal wrestling fan who kind of watches and enjoys both products there is that definitive line that they are true blue aew fans and, and i give them a lot of credit for being really loyal to their product but i think you made a really good point they're not growing and how can we see that well when the ratings come out uh, on thursdays around 4 30 ish in the afternoon you normally see somewhere between eight hundred thousand and a million viewers every single week. Uh, you can actually go online and look it up, and you can see uh, since their inception of the company, there's been a handful of times that they've crested over a million, but it's far and few between. Usually, if I would say more 800 to 900,000, but you're right, but they're not, they're not getting more people. They're not getting more eyeballs on the product. In your opinion right now, I mean specifically talking about attendance talked about maybe reducing ticket prices that would definitely probably be more attractive to the average person but what do you think they could do in your opinion as far as getting more people to watch the show that, that's a, that's a good question mike um i don't know because they already put off a great show that 
Well, every Wednesday night's a damn good show. Their pay-per-views are damn good. Well, you get a hiccup here, a hiccup there, but that's that's fine. That's life. That's the way everything is. Is it an advertising thing? Maybe? I don't know. I mean, TNT, that's a fairly big channel, is it not? Well, we don't get TNT up here, so. Yeah, it's it, it, TNT and TBS, obviously part of the, the Warner Media thing. They're big channels. Like, TBS is in a lot of households. In fact, some would argue that TBS is actually in more households than the USA Network. And I'd have to specifically look that up, but I have heard um, some people speaking about that being the case. But Raw does some pretty damn good numbers. Once again, Raw has a track record. Raw's been around for 30 years. AEW's been around for four. So, I mean, it's definitely going to take some time. But um, I don't think it's a networking thing either. You're right. They put on great shows. They're on a really good network. I mean, is it one of these things where all roads lead back to Tony Khan and his booking in some ways? That could be. It's not a talent. If you, you look at their roster, very talented roster. Their time slot is good. Their their matches they're putting off, I think, are pretty solid. The, the events are always good. The shows are good. So I don't know if I'd necessarily blame Tony Khan his booking because he's still putting off good events. Like, look at Revolution. That was a good, good, good show. So he booked it. It was damn good. So I don't know if that's the issue. Is there's just there's only so many wrestling fans. And that's it. And WWE has their their diehards, we'll say, and AEW has theirs, which I'll be honest with you is kind of fooey. I think all that's fooey. Man, you can watch SmackDown or Raw or Impact or AEW. You can watch it all if you got time. You don't need to be one or the other. Been times I don't get that. Just because you watch one doesn't mean you can't watch the other one. Doesn't mean you can't be fans of both. So I don't know if that's necessary. But anybody that gets there and says, I only watch AEW, you're a fool. Or I only watch WWE. Why? Why not? They both have good products. They both prof great entertainment. They're both doing the same thing. It's sports entertainment or wrestling or whatever you want to call it. It's the same thing, you know, coming from different avenues. But you can enjoy both, and there's no shame in enjoying both. doesn't need to be, I'm AEW, I'm Gooey. That's foolish. I know that's a little off topic, but it's just one of those things no, that I think it, my head hurt a bit. No, no, I think it makes sense. I think it makes complete sense. I mean, you know, we talk about if you're a wrestling fan, you're a fan of all things wrestling, which means WWE, AEW, if you have access to... Impact Wrestling, MLW, um, New Japan, whatever it may be, it's you like what wrestling provides for you. Unfortunately, you know, you get these legions of fans that are, and we saw this with the Monday Night War. Keep in mind, you had pro WCW fans, you had pro WWE fans, and it was one of those deals where I think a lot of people chose to root against WWE for the simple fact that when you look at the lineage of WWE, there is a lot of skeletons in their closets. There's a lot of things that I think would turn the average fan off from knowing some of the things. And I feel like there's people out there who've also believed, you know what? WWE wrestlers are, are so dedicated to the company, but the company doesn't seem to be very dedicated to them at times. Being able to cut them at will after they've moved across country, Ty Valkyrie, for example, that's one perfect example mm-hmm. 
uh, telling somebody you're going to get a push and, and we're going to do X, Y, and Z with you. And then all of a sudden it ends up falling short. And I think wrestling fans nowadays more than ever are sympathetic to wrestlers. Do you think fans, because of the advent of social media, are more in touch with the wrestlers, the personal side of things, and actually feel more for them than just some random television character on TV? Mm, possibly. Wrestling fans, for the most part, not always, but for the most part, are passionate. Like they, they feel. And if they, especially if it's one of your favorites and you feel they got done wrong, you're going to get your back up towards them or, or whatever organization it is. WWE has a bit of a not great track record, but then again, they all have skeletons in their closet. WWE maybe has more because they've been around longer. Really, I mean, how many years between WWF, WWF, WWE? You're looking at 50 long, plus long years. time. Yeah. Right, so 50 years. Any organization is going to have their issues, skeletons in their closets, whatever you want to call it. So, but no, I think it's it's more of um if if one of your favorites you feel gets slighted by whatever organization it is, yeah, you're going to get your back up about that, which is fair because that's your that's your guy or that's your girl. You know, you're looking for you want to watch them Monday night. Friday night or Wednesday or whatever the hell it is. And if you feel that they got slighted, you're probably going to hold a grudge, we'll say. Have a bit of an axe to grind. So, yeah, I guess to a lesser extent, but I don't, I don't think that's the whole issue. I think there's more, personally. I think there's definitely more to it than just, just that. Well, Tony Khan had mentioned that he believes... Just talking about audiences and who sides with who, he's expecting AEW Revolution to get between 130,000 and 140,000 pay-per-view buys. Now, that would rank right up top uh, with one of their more successful pay-per-views. I'm going to pull up the statistics later on in the show to kind of look at what the pay-per-view buys have been. But this show was really good. Uh, I do have a few issues with the show, and I want to see if my issues match up with yours. But we're going to start off with Chris Jericho taking on Ricky Starks. This is brought to you by Forbes.com. This much felt much like the the last uh, Ricky Starks match that we saw with Chris Jericho. And in some ways, it was like a continuation of the Ricky Starks coming out party, which should be considered to be a big deal in AEW. Now, even though he's not currently a main eventer, Chris Jericho is definitely a name in the history books when it comes to wrestling. He's not really in the title picture, and, and I don't know if this makes sense or not, but I don't foresee him being in the AEW world title picture anymore. I think he's going to be used as somebody who helps the younger generation get over in feuds and gives them the attention that working with Chris Jericho brings to the table. Uh, it was an interesting match itself. I thought that it was It wasn't as much as the first Jericho Starks match, but I felt like it was still good. I thought Ricky still looked good in the match. Uh, Forbes gives this match an A, which um, I don't know necessarily if I would agree with an A. I would say a solid B, but let me get your take on this. What was your thoughts on the match between Starks and Jericho? Unfortunately, it didn't even go super long, but what was your take on that match? Did you think that it highlighted Ricky in the best light? Uh, it wasn't a long match, but I thought it was pretty solid. I think it definitely showed Ricky in, in the positive light. Yeah, 
Jericho at this point, I don't know if that does him justice or not to say that, but it kind of is what he is at this point. He's not in it for the title. He's in more for developing the younger talent or homegrown talent or even talent coming from other organizations. It doesn't need to be purely AEW talent. Look what he did for uh, Action Andretti. He put him over. Made him look like a million bucks. So uh, I think that's what it's going to be. Uh, with Jericho, his days of chasing the title are done. He's always going to be around. He's always going to be relevant, but he's going to be more for putting the younger talent over. And uh, but Starks look great. Uh, I think they made Starks look good. He's going to be a superstar. Right? He's he's teetering on now. He can wrestle. He's got great charisma. He's going to be special. I think he was at. Uh, I actually stayed up after this pay per view was over, and I watched the media scrum. And I'm going to talk about the media scrum in the show too. Because I have been very, very vocal about my frustrations with these media scrums. But I'll leave that for later. The part that I want to get to is Ricky Starks actually came to the table with Tony Khan. And he carries himself very professionally. He's very passionate. He's very well-spoken. And I do feel like those are certain intangibles that you look for with somebody to carry the banner of a company, especially being a world title, because you you are the spokesperson, you're the flag bearer. And I think with all that taken into consideration, you want to find somebody who looks the part, but actually walks the walk as well. And I think Ricky does that. Would you agree? 100%. No argument for me there. We're, Ricky's he's, he's good. And I just don't mean in the ring. He's just good all around. He's, I agree. He's going to be somebody of a, I hope, that they're going to build around going forth. Well, they've talked about the pillars in AEW for quite some time now, and it seems like some of those pillars have changed, which it only makes sense. I mean, when a company is brand new, you are going to have this vision, right? But that vision is going to change after a while because things are going to happen. People are going to blossom and develop, and some people are just going to be late bloomers. Sometimes you're going to be able to go with an initial plan. Sometimes you're going to have to back burner it and go to a plan B or a plan C. And I think AEW has done that fairly well as far as adjusting on the fly. And I think that Ricky Starks was not necessarily somebody in the beginning who was going to be looked at as a pillar. But I think now it's it's one of those things where he's looked at it, but he doesn't really consider himself to be. And I think that's the best way there is. You know what I mean? He carries himself like a pillar. He doesn't necessarily see himself as that. But I think at, at the end of the day, he's going to get his uh, opportunities just because I think he's such a grinder and he uh, he definitely puts the time in. I want to move on to Jungle Boy. You want to jump in here before I go into Jungle Boy and Christian Cage? No, I was just saying Rick Sachs is humble. He's, he is. He's very humble. He, he's, he's very, very good. Humble. You're right. But he doesn't come off as a pompous ass or nothing like that. He doesn't. I don't think he knows how good he is. Uh, I don't. I, and I don't say that that he's not a smart man, or I don't mean it that way. But I just don't think he realizes he's he's special. He's he doesn't he's really very relevant. He doesn't buy into his gimmick and buy into the hype. I think he just, like you said before, he stays humble and he tries to just say, "I'm going to take what Tony gives me and I'm going to do the best I can." And because of that. I think he's uh, he's done very well for himself. Uh, let's jump into Jungle Boy versus Christian Cage. Now, once again, all these reviews are coming from Forbes.com. Jungle Boy was out in jeans and his traditional jungle boots, 
And uh, Christian Cage got a lot of uh, fun poked at him because he was wearing a muscle shirt, which had the cutoff sleeves, but it was a turtleneck on the top, which was uh, a very interesting choice of attire. The match was good. Um, Jungle Boy's family was around. His mother and his sisters were there for the match. It was weird because I've never seen a casket match done before in AEW. And I felt like this was going to be a really tell-tolling sign. Can't even talk. Uh, about how they would pull off more of a theatrical style match because, you know, WWE is known for having the casket matches. And then in TNA, they called them the last rights matches. And now they're calling uh, this one, um, what would they call this one, a burial match or something like that? Final burial. Final burial. Um, and a lot of fans were like, is this going to be like a Buried Alive? When I watched Buried Alive matches in the 90s with The Undertaker and I watched them with Mankind, you had this big, giant mountain, this mound of dirt. I mean, it looked like it. there was so much of it, it looked like, you know, just land. And they dug a hole and they did these things. And I thought it was really cool. And this one was a little different. They they had the casket, but the casket was already on this type of apparatus that was like a false bottom, and it would just drop, and then smoke would come up. Here's one of my critiques. Was there really need for dirt? Just a visual. Um, I, I think the whole with it falling and the smoke was a bit hokey, personally. And it was a good match. I'm not saying it wasn't a good match. That was hokey, though. I just, I don't know. I, I didn't dig that. The, the casket match, that's WWE's racket. Leave it to them. It's not. Their casket matches compared to the final burial match was apples and oranges. Not to cut up AEW. I don't mean it that way by no stretch. You know better than that. But. WWE did better. I think the other thing that kind of caught me off guard with the whole thing, and, and I'm with you with the hokiness. Now, I know some people listening will probably say, well, what do you expect? It's entertainment. I mean, all of this stuff has a certain level of hokiness. And you're right, it does. But my point is, at least when you had the Buried Alive, or at least you had the Lights Last Right matches in TNA, there was a significant story that built up to it. And I just didn't feel like, yeah, the two guys hated each other, but we didn't find out until Rampage on Friday that essentially it was going to be a a last burial or whatever the hell you want to call it match. And I felt like that kind of like, I don't know, it it just didn't fit right. Like I know that this needs to have a good blow off. But don't you think if you're gonna go that road and you're gonna go, you're gonna buy all into the concept of this gimmick match, you need time to kind of build this up, especially when you've never done it before. Am I right, or do you think I'm getting a little too caught in the weeds? No, you're right. For a one, for your first go around with any match, you you gotta get it right, or else you end up with the barbar death match sprinklers. Oh my god. No, as much as I mean, Kingston lays over his body as if it's like Vietnam. I'm like, oh god, yeah, it's you know, because they no, they didn't do enough research, and 
Well, we're still making fun of it, and I bet you we never see another one of those matches in AEW because the first one was the drizzling shits. And it, you, you got to build up to something like that. You've never done this style of match before. You got to have your build up big time, but you got to have it right. You just do. You, you can't have it end because I mean, that's the end of the feud. I don't know, maybe it's supposed to be the end of Christian Cage. Is he like done now? I don't I don't understand there. And that's that was your end. It's a little anticlimactic, we'll say. Good choice of words. It, it was anticlimactic because when you think about when you first think about the Christian Cage Jungle Boy storyline, it was it was about Luchasaurus turning on Jack Perry, Jungle Boy. Because of Christian Cage. And you thought, oh, okay, well, you know, he comes out with Luchasaurus for several weeks after that. And it looks like he's going to be managing Luchasaurus. It leads to a Luchasaurus versus Jungle Jungle Boy Jack Perry cage match, which I actually thought was really well done. Dynamite. Amazing match. And then Luchasaurus is, is gone. He's off TV. So in my mind, I'm thinking, okay, so they're going to repackage him, give him some time, get him out of there, sift through, you know, a cycle of news and then bring him back. And then that didn't happen. And then Christian obviously got injured and Jungle Boy moved on. Christian comes back. They pick up where they left off. But there was a part of me when I'm watching this, but and I'm thinking, is Luchasaurus going to show up? Because obviously it would it would make sense like. Luchasaurus and Jungle Boy would reunite and slam the K or slam the door down on Christian on the casket, or something else would happen. But it just didn't have any Luchasaurus in it. Did you think when you were watching we should see Luchasaurus involved in this whole putting the bow on the the storyline, or do you think no, he was phased out a while ago? I was hoping he would come back. But like you said, he was phased out. Where is he? What's going on? I, I'm going to have to look. I, I knew that he was a little banged up. I don't know necessarily why he has been out as long as he has. Now, some people have speculated that he may be out for the same reasons Miro is. Miro is injured, but Miro is 100% healthy now. And Miro has turned down, from my knowledge, at least two or three storylines that Tony Khan has pitched to him that he has shot down. Therefore, he says, until something comes his way that he likes, he's going to be staying home. That's dumb. I don't get it, but and I also don't understand why Tony Khan would put up with something like that. And I'm not trying to put Miro down, and I'm not saying Tony Khan is the greatest at booking, but if you came to AEW to wrestle and you came here to be in front of an audience, do you think every single person in WWE gets a storyline that they want? No. They have to put up with a lot of stuff they have to digest before they're going to get something that really clicks with them. So I just don't understand the concept. Hey, we're going to keep paying you your full salary. We're going to offer you offer you things to do as a boss. Bosses don't offer things. They, they tell you what you're doing. If he's turning down programs to stay home you get no pay sorry fella i would refuse to come to work yes if so tomorrow i had to be to work if i could like hey boss i'm not coming to work why not i just don't want to i don't like what you got me doing probably get fired first off 
or at a minimum, I'm not getting paid for tomorrow. That there's going to be no one less day on my paycheck. Right? That's your best case scenario. I only end up with one day off to think about my foolishness. I, I don't agree with that. Now, is something in his contract that he has creative control? Then Tony shot himself in the foot. However, if that is not in his contract, hey, this is what we got for you. Why well, don't like it? I don't care. Because you're in a contract with us. Yeah. Get you your ass work. to work. You know, you're healthy now. Yeah, you were off for a bit. You were banged up. Cool. We get that. That happens. You're healthy. Get your ass back to work. That's what I'm paying you for. I agree. That would be a better avenue. Or just at a certain point, he's going to get forgotten. He's not far from that now. I agree. So if he sits out for another five months, six months. Completely irrelevant. Don't bother. Don't come back. Now, once again, he has done storylines before. And the whole best man thing, that really wasn't exactly what I would call uh, peaches and cream. But he still worked with that and still ended up parlaying that into something else that led to something else. But once again, sometimes, you know, you're not going to be able to pick and choose. And I'm glad you mentioned creative control. Um, I want to talk about creative control as well uh, later on. And I want to get your input on if that should ever be a part of wrestling. And if it should be, when should that type of thing play into uh, someone's contract? So. Forbes magazine, uh, Forbes.com, however you want to look at it, gave Jungle Boy and Christian Cage an A minus. So back to back A's to start the show. Um, I gave the first match a B. Forbes gave it an A. Uh, this buried match, burial casket, whatever the hell it's called, um, I would have gone a B minus in my opinion. What was your take and what would your grade have been? Uh, I'd give it a B. Um, only reason it's not an A for me was the way the casket felt. That was a damn good match, right? I'm biased, you know that. I like Christian, but that was a good match, whether you like Christian or not. And Jungle Boy's come a hell of a long way, he has. From I agree. First, when he came around, when he he was good, I'm not saying, but now he's he's a star. That was, that was a good match, that was, that was a solid match, I think. For me, it's a B. Uh, Jericho, I'd give that one. I'd go a B plus on that one. I think that one was a little bit better. Just okay. purely based on the end. So uh, we both give Bs for the first two matches. Once again, I give a B and then a B minus. one. Third match on the card was the House of Black versus the Elite. And I'm telling you right now. I absolutely was enthralled with this. Shocking. And before people say you're just a homer for the Bucks, you're just a homer for Kenny. Um, here's one thing I will say. There are not many people that can do athletically what they do. I mean, they're really good. Kenny is a really great technical wrestler. And Forbes gives this one an A-. minus. I would give it a solid A. I would take the minus away from it. The match was great, and I think what made the match great was the fact that the the Elite didn't win and the House of Black won because, once again, if you are trying to grow your company, 
you're going to have to go in different directions. And that means putting the titles on other people and see what they can do. If you don't give a person a chance to run with the ball, how will you ever know what you have? And I personally loved this match. Uh, you're a homer for Christian. I'm a homer for the elite. So what was your take on this match? And, and do you agree with the outcome of the House of Black winning? Oh, absolutely. That That's the right outcome. Um, uh, King, Brody, Brody King, King, scares the shit out of me. Dude, that face paint is creepy as he hell when is he wears it. terrifying man. He is yes. an absolute giant. Yes. You know, he's strong as an ox, you know, and that, was, that face paint scared. Could you imagine you're strolling up an alley and he's the other way? Like, I'm just going to have, well, I'm going to piss myself first, and then I'm going to have a heart attack, and that's it. Well, I tell you what, talk about having a heart attack. Look who is back, back again. Fuck it this. is I'm the leader of the Petsky Podcast. This is the RIT. What is going on, buddy? What's going on, guys? Man, I, I just got done recording my podcast, and, well, I seen you guys were on, so. We will let anybody join us. Absolutely. Let, let, let me sit there and, and get this get this going a little bit. Oh. Oh, 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 wait, wait. The better one. There we go. There we go, baby. How come I'm not on any of those yet? Well, we can do That's that. a legit gripe. Let's get a graphic up with with the ass man's face on it. Okay, Let's hold on. It's not oh, overboard now. Oh, there, there he is. There's the ass man. Oh yeah, oh, looks just like me. that guy is one. Cr- oh my god, what's he doing man. now? What is? I, I don't know what he's doing. Is is he still in wrestling? Do we know? Unemployment. Oh my god. Uh, so we're talking about uh, CM Punk's really good friend who was a backstage uh, manager. What was his name? Ace Steel. Ace Steel. Unbelievable. Uh, since you're just joining in here, I don't know if you heard much about our AEW Revolution uh, recap show here. So we gave Ricky Starks and Chris Jericho a B. We then went ahead and we talked about the burial match, last rites, burial, you're going to die, I'm going to bury you, lots of dirt and shovel match. Uh, I would have given that a B-. minus. Forbes gives it uh, an A-. minus. Uh, what was your take? Did you get to see the pay-per-view, Rit? Oh uh, yeah, uh, I seen it, and and to go with the, the Ricky Starks Jericho, I gave it a B plus. I, I, I enjoyed it overall. Uh, the burial match, B minus. I'm with you with that. Yeah, the the burial match. It's just I don't know. I feel like first of all, it was announced at the twelfth hour on Rampage, and then second of all, if your casket. Well, first of all, it wasn't even the word caskets, not even in the title, right? So theoretically, if you were going to do the dirt, it could have been just a hole and you kick the guy in the hole and then you throw dirt on top of him or you get a backhoe or whatever they do. But this one had a casket and it just dropped and smoke went everywhere. And it was like, what? And then did you guys notice how Jungle Boy actually paused and he waited when he put his hand up on the on the top of the lid before he shut it down. It was real dramatic, but I don't know. I just, I don't like when a company does something another company's already done and the company trying to copy it doesn't do as equally good of a job. So. Well, he, he he was probably knew what was supposed to happen. So he was, he was kind of like, okay, are we ready? Kind of like when the ring was supposed to explode. 
Yes, but you know? just mention that the sparkler situation. Yeah, so he was probably like, "Oh, please, I don't want to be, I don't want to be embarrassed. Please hope this goes down like it's supposed to." And he shuts the casket, and it goes down. He's like, "Yes, jackpot! <laughs> Something finally worked." Um, I was also mentioning on social media, people were giving Christian Cage a hard time because he was wearing that muscle shirt, so where the sleeves were cut off, but he still had a turtleneck. Uh, a butster is that a Canadian thing? Is that how you guys dress up there? Is that a is that a typical thing you would find at a store? Have you ever seen me in a turtleneck, Mike? I've never seen you in a turtleneck. How many years I've been on here now? I've never, never seen, seen your neck. I, oh, I, I, this is true. Could you take your shirt off? That's awkward. Here's my neck. Oh, my goodness. I, I haven't been back for five minutes, and he's already asking people to take shirt off? Yes, take your clothes off. I love it. Well, let me check my PayPal. When my money shows up, I'll do it. Well, only I, – I, well, we better not put that out there. Only butt.com. Oh, only butt. Oh, only that's ass. Gonna, that's that. going to get you something. Um, let's go ahead and let's, let's continue our conversation with the elite. This match was great. And it was great for the simple fact that the elite lost, which is something that I think needed to happen. And I'm going to tell you something that's probably not, you know, mind blowing. It's not big earth shattering insight, but I think there was so much input or so much emphasis put on the trios championships with the elite that the tag division started to struggle a little bit. The acclaim were running hot, but the depth of what was there just wasn't there. And so I think what you're going to see now is they're going to come back to the tag division. Kenny's going to go back to being singles, and they're going to let the House of Black do their thing. I love the match. What do you give the match on a scale of uh, A to F, uh, Ritster? A minus. It would have been an A-plus if Kenny Omega wasn't in the match. Man, I tell you what, thank you so much for dropping by, Ritster, man. I wish you could have stayed longer, but uh, (laughs) unfortunately, he had to go. He had to do another baseball podcast, but uh, unbelievable. Um, I thought it was a good match. Once again, the Bucks always put on great matches. There's no doubt about that. And that's not because I'm a homer. It's because Nick and Matt Jackson are amazing. Well, you are a homer. Let's go ahead and let's move on to the women's three-way match. I'm not getting dirty here. Uh, it was Jamie Hayter versus Soraya versus Ruby Soho. Personally, I really like this match. I think Jamie Hayter can do well with anybody in the ring. I think Ruby Soho is more than ready to be in the world title picture. She's so talented now that she's not injured. Soraya, I like what she does, but I feel like she's just starting to get her sea legs back under her. Give me your thoughts on this match. We'll start off uh, with Rit. What what was your take on this match itself? Was this a good one, or were you kind of disappointed? Uh, normally, when you see somebody with not a much experience with two veterans, they're they're carrying the person along. You see, yeah, I have to admit, you'd see a lot of it in WWE, where like. Uh, Ronda Rousey. In my opinion, Ronda was carried every time in every match she's had because she had that veteran helping her along. But Jamie, in this match, she lived, she was right up there with them. She was able to hold her own. Uh, one thing that really sticks out to me was one of the fan signs. <clears throat> Hater, man, I love her. Like, Jamie Hayter is 
it's she's there. Uh, I'm kind of waiting to see still because Britt can't sit there and be. She's not going to be in the background forever. She's not going to play second fiddle. No, no, her, her ego won't let that happen. So I'm kind of waiting for that to go down. But the match itself was back and forth. Everybody got the shine. Jamie, uh, Jamie Hader came out on top like she was supposed to. And it made her look really good, to, you know, being able to put uh, go over to veterans in the match. Butster, what was your take on this one here? I mean, would you agree you got to keep the belt on Jamie Hader right now? She's the hot one. And, you know, when things are going well, you want to ride this thing out. But do you feel the same way? Do you feel like the dynamics worked really well in this match? I thought that match was possibly my favorite match of the night. Wow. I I thought Soraya might have killed Jamie Hader, though, with the one botch where she dropped her right on her brain bucket. That could have been terrible. I've seen that like, oh, Jesus, please get up. And she did, so we were good. Everyone was ready as rain. I enjoyed that match. I, I thought it was fantastic. The story was fantastic. The swerve at the end was great. Uh, like, you know, Ruby Soho, now she's healthy, is a million bucks, right? I'm not quite all in on Soraya. She's good. Very good, but uh, Jamie Hader is amazing. Ruby Soho, amazing. Right, your storyline to it that's something that could evolve into a lot. You could take that in 20 different directions. That match, which is perfect to me, that's the benefit of a match like that. Now you open up to so much more, and the in ring was amazing. I'm all in on that match. That was that was right up there for me. That was a solid A any day of the week. Forbes gives this match a B minus. They're dumb. Forbes gives it. So is, is, is this Forbes or Met or or Dave Metzler? Uh, this is Forbes. I did not go to Meltzer for his versions. I like to go with some somebody who's more I, I guess neutral in some way. Reputable? Uh, But then again, I don't know how well Forbes is. I mean, how long they've been covering wrestling. But let me ask you both this question. So Jamie Hayter wins, but then we have what happens after the match is over. And it seems like we have the Outsiders versus the Originals. And I'm wondering where they're going to go with this specifically. The Kansas spray paint, all of this kind of stuff. What what's your take on all of this? And do you feel like this side storyline, if you will, has the ability to continue to grow? Do you think this is going to lead to something? Some people online have said that they think this is going to lead to a female version of blood and guts. Do you think that that ultimately is what they're looking to do? Or do you think that this is just going to be a buildup for a while and then ultimately a blow off? But what would the blow-off match actually end up looking like? Or are we going to get more members to join each side? Uh, Ritzer, what's your take on that? Uh, I sit there and see, you, you know me, uh, Tony Khan always has a plan. He has things planned out months in advance. A lot of people don't see it, but he has everything intertwined. So you might have to go back for the past couple months 
and see, okay, what else has gone on with these people? Who did they work with? Who did they piss off? Who did they have feuds with? Because everything's going to end up intertwining. And I do see uh, a first ever female blood and guts match. But what do you think? Do you think that a uh, female blood and guts match would be something that you would be interested in seeing? Or would you say go in a different direction? I'd watch it just out of sheer curiosity. Just to see how violent they could make it. To be quite honest with you, uh, I'd, I'd be curious who they're going to have in it. Obviously, like all of us would be, because you can go a lot of different routes with that. But one thing that has to end forthwith is the spray paint. Can we not move on from a spray paint gimmick? That's terrible. Enough's enough. Like, let's please. Not really sure how that whole spray paint concept actually ended up happening, or why I should say that's happening. But I guess we're gonna we're gonna find out what Tony Khan's vision is down the road when it comes to this spray painting aspect of it, or more members will be involved. You know, other people are also saying that if you do the originals versus the outsiders, which the outsiders are obviously all, you know, former WWE stars, would that work in with Sasha Banks coming in supporting the outsiders, the former WWE people, or do you think that Sasha Banks might be more fitted to be somebody competing in the next uh, forbidden door? We're going to get to that. So don't answer that question yet. Uh, Moving on in the pay-per-view, we had uh, a very interesting match, which uh, my goodness, I hope you weren't planning on eating while you were watching this match. Uh, and put your forks down. It was Adam Hangman Page taking on John Moxley in a Texas death match. And I don't really know what to say other than if you haven't seen this match and you have not seen the highlights of said match, first go ahead and watch it before you give your full opinion on this. Let's go to butt first. I know you are Mox guy, but I also realize you have mentioned in weeks past that the blood stuff gets a little old after a while. It has to mean something, right? You can't just bleed for the sake of bleeding. Mm-hmm. What did you think of this match? Did you feel like the bleeding when it happened was warranted? Or do you think it was just, in some ways, just gratuitous to get a pop? It was gratuitous violence to the umpteenth degree. But it was entertaining as all shit. Everybody liked that. And Mox hardweighed him with the fork. Oh, absolutely. Like, he want, There was no gig involved. He hard-weighed him. He laid in with that fork something awful. right? And that was, that was just wicked. That was a good match. That was a very good match. And let's take it for what it was. I mean, it was 100% a death match. There was not a lot of match. It was, it was a fisticuff. Yeah. But it was good. Because a lot of times when you have death matches, they're... Yeah, he hit him with a chair. You know, table bump, barbed wire. You know, it's your basic, and, and all that was there. But it was a good match to it, too. It wasn't just spots of weapons over and over and over. And when they did work the weapons in, let Paige wrapping the barbed wire around himself. 
maybe it would have been nice if you had more than one strand around him just for visual. Right? But then how much do you want him to wrap around himself to and you have to take tear off. yourself up more. Yeah. So you got to take that for what it is. But, you know, when he went headlong into the chair wrapped in barbed wire, that was fantastic. That made me sound like a psycho, to put it just like that. But it was fantastic. It, that match was, was very good, but it was just straight-up gratuitous violence. Those two guys kicked seven, seven shades of shit out of each other. That's all it was. And they bled all over the place. But I'd watch it again tonight. Ritster, um, it was it was a it was a Donny Brook, if you will. It was a slobber knocker, if you will. What did the Rit think when he was watching it? And what's your take now, looking back, having seen it now, having time to digest what you saw? What's your take now? Well, I I think that like Butt says before. AEW uses blood more often. Back in the 80s, you used it in payoffs. And this, I have to say, was a much-needed payoff match between the two. Mm-hmm. They build it up really nicely. Those two put... Moxley, he went back to his roots. CZW, AEW, Mid-South. Like, he went back to his roots of... We're going to sit there and go deathmatch. We're going to go deathmatch. Mm-hmm. And uh, Hangman's not, it's not, he's not known for that. But he is one of those guys that, okay, I can do it. I'm going to show you I can do it. Kind of like uh, Randy Orton when him and, uh, no, not Randy Orton, uh, Edge with Mick Foley. Edge wasn't known for all that, but he's like, I'm going to sit there and show you I can do it. So, Hangman sit there, and he earned the respect of a lot of people in that match because people were going to think, hey, it's going to be one-sided, but it wasn't. Hangman held in there. Uh, The blow-off was what we needed. Now, let's see what they can do after this for both guys because that's where they're going to make the money at. Can they sit there and give something for Mox to do now? It doesn't have to be the AEW title picture. Same thing with Hangman. It doesn't have to be the AEW title picture. Uh, I don't know if you guys talked about it before I got here, but something bigger needs to happen to that All-Atlantic title. If, if, if they're going to sit there and want that to be meaningful, then they got to put it on someone that's going to be meaningful. I agree with you completely. We're going to get to that. We haven't talked about that yet. And, and I've been an Orange Cassidy fan too. Um, but I, I just, I feel like the, I think it's worn off, if that makes sense. And I feel like sometimes that cute, humorous, funny stuff, and then he breaks out and has a great match. But yet, I don't really feel it's elevating the title or it's elevating him. So at this point in time, it should be better utilized in a different direction. And I think it definitely should be on somebody else. When it was on pack, I think it was fantastic. Going on Orange Cassidy, I'm not really quite sure if that was intended to be a short-term move or long-term. But they try to boost him up when it comes to the commentators. They really. Cassidy and Best Friends, Trio's Division. I have no problem with that. You want somebody to take the uh, All-Atlantic title off? Give me Miro. 
he you guys you say you got nothing for him. Miro is a workhorse. Here would take that title just like Pac did, and here defend it. And he can and he can work any style you want. He can work against the the, the high flyers. He can work against the power people. Miro, bring him back. Let him destroy Orange Cassidy. Show his dominance. And then let it go from there. Yeah, I'm not going to disagree with you on that one. But any final comments before we uh, get the grade from Forbes and move on to our next match? I feel the exact opposite. I'm a bigger fan of Orange Cassidy now than what I was before. Okay. The title doesn't... It's irrelevant to him. But I think he's more entertaining now than what he was before. I, or maybe it's because I'm paying a little better attention to him now, but I really enjoy his work lately. Okay, so let me throw this at you. You like Orange Cassidy. Do you like Danhausen? No, Jesus, no. Yeah. The Danhausen thing is really niche, if you know what I mean. I mean, I. It's really dumb. That's what it is. Dumb. <laughs> like, uh, I'm all for gimmicks. But there's two different types of gimmicks. There's big time gimmick and there's indie gimmick. Dan Housen needs to stay on the indies and do that. He can be a bit major player all he wants on the indies. But there's no point for him to sit there and be where he's at and doing the same thing. You want to do it on dark? Go ahead. But it's just too good. I, I'm still baffled how he get and Orange Cassidy got into the tag title picture. And Best Friends didn't. That was a mistake. Best Friends didn't get in it. Uh, the Butcher and the Blade didn't get in it, which didn't make any sense to me whatsoever. Um, you had the Aussie Open. They didn't get into it either. Who else was the other team but that we were talking about that we thought that they should should have gotten a chance to win that? Well, versus Blondes, I liked. But that was me. Um, and and my, my personal opinion... When were they going to sit there? Well, when are they going to give the Dark Order their, their just desserts? Dark Order, that's what it was. Johnny Hungy, yes. Johnny Hungy and Alex Reynolds, I, I said that I was hoping this would have been something where they could have branched out. Yes, I, I agree with you, Rit. What are they doing? Why are they not utilizing these guys? You know, they work well as a tag team, but you never see them, and I just don't understand why. Like you want, you talk about all the time. Okay, I want to protect Brody Lee's legacy. The Dark Order are these are guys that Brody picked. Like he brought them in, he got them working together. He made the faction bigger than what it was. But now you don't want to do nothing with them. Like Preston Vance, he gets to go off and, and do his singles thing. I, I I loved I loved ten. You could have had him been that that powerhouse in the dark order, and it, but it's just it it was it just baffles me because Johnny's hungry. Well, look at <laughs> Stu Grayson. They misused him. Stu Grayson's yeah. amazing. Uh, he's doing he's doing amazing uh, over there on Impact now. Wait, I've yes. seen him live up here a couple times, and Jesus, he's good. Like every match I've seen, when now I've only seen him a couple times up here, but still, nonetheless, his matches are just amazing. Every single one, 
And how did he not get used worth a damn? Unfortunately, nobody really in, in the dark order, you know, has done anything since that, since, since Brody passed. Brody was the only one that, that ever did anything in there. Like they tried to have Hangman lead it, but that didn't work out. Uh, you, you you made uh, it kind of a joke with you know negative one and everything. Like Anna Jay was there; she had to turn heel to make herself you know even relevant. Alan Eagles got whatever nothing, and he's another yeah. in ring talent that he's excellent. Just totally got misused. That was a that was probably one of the biggest mess ups, however you want to look at it, of AEW how they handled that faction because they didn't handle what the damn. You talked about Preston Vance, and I'm trying to see if I say this right, and both you guys can correct me. Uh, La Familia or La Familia Intergobernables. I'm not yeah. even saying that right. I I don't understand why in the hell they keep doing that. La familia, uh, in in gubernables, whatever. Sure, sounds good to me. All right, so um, that match in itself, um, the one we just talked about was given an A minus. So uh, the third A, uh, for this pay per view so far. Here's a match that I I want to talk about that confuses me because of just the way. It literally hurts my brain to think about it. And it's Wardlow versus Samoa Joe. I want to first share my thoughts on this one, and then I'm going to go around the horn here. The match itself, I thought was good. I liked it. I thought Joe was going to retain. That was my thoughts. Because if you give it to Wardlow, then Hobbs has a match that's coming up on Dynamite. And he is the face of the revolution. So conventional wisdom would say the face of the revolution would be the next guy in line to get the title shot, and he would get the title. I mean, that's what I would assume. That's his way of getting a push. But now you've gone from Samoa Joe to Wardlow, and then so from a Sunday to a Wednesday, are we supposed to believe you're going to take the belt off of Wardlow now and give it to to Hobbs? I don't think that's going to happen. So at the end of the day, did they screw Willie Hobbs over by giving him this gold or brass or whatever the hell it is, ring or inflatable tube for the pool? And then all of a sudden his first match after winning this thing is going to be in the form of a loss? Uh, but let me ask you something. Does this one make you say, huh? Yes. 100% yes. This, this It's weird. For lack of better words, this word because you're not going to have Wardlow be your champion for four days. That's not going to happen. So Hobbs cashes in his life preserver, <laughs> and he loses. So do you just put him? You know, you knock him down to irrelevant again. Like how how do you continue a feud there? Hey, Wardle said, "Here, I gave you a chance. You picked and chose when you could have the match, and I still beat your ass. No, you can't have another rematch. Earn it. Earn your way back up. Then you're going to have him climb the ladder again. That's not going to make sense. Now, I'll throw one out there. Just popped into my head. And we all know how that's not always a good idea. 
So let's just say Wardlow and Hobbs, they're having their match. Joe comes in, cheats, little run in there, and then to put Hobbs over. I don't think it's going to happen, but just play along with me for a minute. So Hobbs goes over. Wardlow's a four-day reigning champion. Right? And then, so then you start a feud between uh, Wardlow and Hobbs. Hey, the only reason you won is because Joe helped you. You know, he had to cheat to win. It's maybe a stretch. It's a little on the weak side, but weirder things have happened in AEW. I don't, what are your better options, though? I think you're stuck. What's your take there's on There's no good choice. There isn't. There's no real win out of any of this. They back them. They booked themselves into a corner. Yep. And I, uh, their first booking mistake was giving Joe both titles, especially when you are realizing we're gonna. In my honest opinion, Joe's gonna end up being just an ROH guy, Ring of Honor guy. Mm-hmm. So. You put both titles on him, and you book yourself into the corner. Now you got to take the title off. Now he could have went and beat Wardlow, and then lost to Hobbs. I could I could have been with that, but then they're like, "Well, we can't give Wardlow uh, a loss because I said this many months ago when I was still here on a regular." The person that's going to beat MJF for that title is Wardlow. So they got to build, still book him strong, but now you book yourself into a corner. Are you going to sit there and, and have Hobbs waste his chance? Could you sit there and, and have Hobbs? Uh, something happened to Wardlow before the match, where the match never happens because. If the match never, if the match doesn't start, Hobbs didn't never cashed in. Still a shitty story, lady. Right? It is. It's yeah. There's ways to get it's an out option, of this, but it's not. None of the options are pretty. I see what you're saying. Like, hey, yeah. let's not let's not take the 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 shine off of Wardlow right now because he obviously beat Samoa Joe and he's the new champion. But yet, it's like, oh, we gave you the belt, but we actually promised the belt or the opportunity to somebody else because. The only way you could do it is if it was a screw job, you know what I mean? Like where, you know, um, I think, but you mentioned it where Samoa Joe comes in and gets involved in screws Wardlow over and then Hobbs gets it. And it was a four day title reign. But then theoretically, that would make you think that the storyline would still be continuing with Samoa Joe and Wardlow. That would make sense to me. Like, oh, you you came in and interfered. Now I'm going to get get you back. It's. I, I just don't know how you work around this, and there's going to have to be a, a, a fucked situation here. I mean, it's going to be a shit finish. Something's going to happen because if they not, you've they, ruined Will Hobbs. Yeah, they never should have let Hobbs cash in this early. Never. Having him cash in this early is fine, but it can't be against Wardlow. Well, in then this gonna- situation, you can't have him cash in over somebody who just won the belt. You know what you should have did? You should have he should have taken it off of Orange Cassidy and become the All Atlantic champion. Ah, no. no. Well, Hobbs no. is Hobbs is too big for that title. I mean, literally, uh, we're trying to find a way where we're, we're trying to find a way where 
you've already given the belt to Wardlow. What are you going to do with, with Hobbs? You have to do something with him to not make him look like he's his push is now going to be stalled again. So that's the only thing I can think of. Yeah, but you're not going to have him cash in his his choice of title challenges for the mid-Atlantic uh, irrelevant fucking nobody gives a damn title. That's not, would, that's not the name of the belt because you couldn't fit all those letters on it. Whatever, uh, I don't remember. Okay, well, would you sit there, okay, say if you're going to waste a powerhouse Hobbs opportunity. I would love to sit there and see him get the opportunity against MJF. Then MJF just came off at a spectacular match where he out wrestled a wrestler with an oxygen tank. He was, hey, hey. But you sit there and let him have that match against MJF. He doesn't have to win. But it also elevates him to Hobbs is the main event guy now. He he went toe to toe with MJF. You you can play with the MJF where okay we, we can see what the fans say. Could they get behind MJF as as a babyface or no. Jesus no. no no but but you can sit there and play with it because you're you're having to go against Hobbs. So. Who who the who the who the fans gonna cheer for? But you're giving Hobbs the opportunity to be the main event guy, to give him the shot at the main event to see if he can actually elevate himself. You're 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 reaching. You're reaching on this one. Then again, we're all reaching on this one because it's it's just bad news. I, yeah, I, I'm just I, I'm just trying to get out of that Wardlow situation. Yeah, I I don't know. It's gonna be interesting tomorrow night to see what they do. Because you, you can't have Hobbs lose. No, you can't. But you can't have Wardlow lose. No, you can't. So maybe maybe Hobbs is gonna say Wardlow, let's team up and go after the tag titles. So that way neither one of them can lose. Oh God, this is gonna be. You know what? We don't have to wait very long. Tomorrow, tomorrow. Tomorrow we get to sit back and we get to, to see what in the hell did they decide to do because this is literally this is why you don't let the owner of the company be the booker. Oh my god. It pains me to say this, but Josh is right. He's right. <laughs> He's a hundred percent right. This is why you don't let him be the booker, man. Well, that's well, we'll get to that topic as well. Somebody uh some owner has been a booker and looks like he may be becoming the booker again. We'll talk about that later on. Let's go to our next match. Uh, the Gun Club versus the Acclaimed versus Triple J versus Orange Cassidy and Danhausen. So to let you all know what happened in this match is the Gun Club did retain their championships in what I can only imagine was the weirdest, goofiest popcorn bathroom break match there was because there was really no exciting aspect. The exciting aspect didn't happen until after the match was over and Renee Paquette was in the ring and something happened we didn't expect. But before we get to that, let me ask you your thoughts on the match. I'll start off with the writ. What did you think about this very odd four-way dance for the tag titles? Uh, he's gone. Ritz left. Left. What's 
unbelievable. I throw didn't it didn't even Mitt. say goodbye. Didn't say anything. Maybe he what, maybe what his schmuck. Yeah, what a poo. Glad he's doing baseball podcasts. Leave the wrestling up to us. Let me ask you this, but what, what's your take on this weird dynamic of a of a four team tag title match? It just it didn't have any legs from the word go. It was <laughs> what was it? I don't know what it was, Mike. It was interesting. It had some moments that was good. It's not that it was a crappy match. It was just kind of... It should have been sponsored by Adderall. Because it was all (laughs) over the place. Which match was... was Very very spazzy. Which match was weirder and odd? Was it it this match or was it that Mountain Dew match between LA Knight and uh, the Fiend Bray Wyatt? (laughs) Both. It was just, it was just like uh, I don't know. I'm, I've grown to enjoy the acclaim. I I like Orange Cassidy, right? The Ass Boys, they're really starting to grow I me. Mean, they've come leaps and bounds. They have, from a talent perspective and an experience perspective, yeah. they have gotten much improved. And then Triple J, I don't know why. I don't know. I don't. I don't. I just don't understand that. Now I'll tell you, probably the best part of that match, and I don't know if you caught it or not, was Max Caster pretending to take down his shoulder straps, and then he did the um, the Olympic slam. Yes, you know that was a dig, right? You Absolutely. Know? That I got a pretty good chuckle out of that. I, I thought that was pretty entertaining. <laughs> uh, it was a, it was a good. It was kind of all over the place. It was good. It had an entertainment value to it, but it's not going to go down as like an all-time classic or nothing foolish like that, though. Surprisingly enough, the big the big stuff didn't happen till after the match was over, and the guns were cutting an interview with Renee Paquette when. Who shows up? None other than FTR. Now, it has been revealed that the whole FTR taking time off until April and then determining whether they wanted to do with their careers, if they were going to jump ship or whatever, it's been revealed that that was just a storyline. Tony Khan had alluded to that and that, in fact, FTR has re-signed with AEW long-term contracts uh, in long-term contracts in AEW or anywhere from three to five years, it looks like they will be locked up for some time to come. So they will be AEW All Elite for the foreseeable future. Do you think that this match needed that segment to kind of save it? Or do you think that the match by itself still was serviceable? I wouldn't have brought them out at the end of it. Um didn't need it. The match was good. It was okay. However you want to look at it. It was nothing fantastic. Uh, them coming out didn't save it. Didn't make it better. I don't think there was no payoff to it. So I I don't know. You could have done something with a vignette. More so than actually have him come out and, and do the fighting. And poor old Dax getting busted open. 
Right. Dude gets busted open on his first night back. Okay, but let me throw this at you and tell me if, if this makes any sense. First of all, the guns are on a pay-per-view as champions and they get a win. And then their moment, no offense to, to, to this, is now overshadowed by the fact that FTR runs down. Yep. Now, if you're ever going to give a team some freedom to try to grow and do their thing and create their shtick, you can't just cut them off at the knees here by bringing FTR out like that. I know they're going to be setting up a feud between the two teams, but I, I agree with you. At this point in time, don't you think you should just let them kind of have that moment and come out and when Renee comes out, maybe they cut a promo and that be that? Or, you know, they they cut a promo on Wednesday night and then FTR comes out. I think there was they were trying to save this segment, which was not going so great. I think the match was all right. Uh, I would have given it a C. Oh, sorry. Yeah, now we're dropping into the Cs now. Um, what do you give it as a grade? Oh, Jesus, Mike, the C, that's cold. Um. I mean, I'm not going to be a hell of a lot higher, but I mean, I'd go B, maybe a B minus. There, there was some entertaining spots to it. it. It just some of it just didn't make sense. And anytime you put Dan Housen in it, I, I lose a little bit of interest in it. So I, that didn't help matters. I'm not trying to beat up on the guy. Don't get me wrong. He's got his gimmick. He's doing very well for himself. Kudos to him. Ride this out and make as much cash as you can. I just don't get it. I still don't get it. I've tried. People have explained it to me. I don't think I'm stupid. I'm no genius, but I'm not stupid. I'm not getting it. There's something I'm missing with him. I don't know why he's so over. Like His merch sales are just ridiculous, apparently. I don't know. I, I don't understand that. And when you put him in a match, for me, I lose interest. I'm just, I'm not interested in it. I would have been happier to see it just be the acclaimed and the guns. I would agree. And just have a straight up tag team match. You know, that to me would have been more entertaining. Couldn't agree more. I agree with you on that one. Uh, Forbes gives this one a B, a solid B. Um, I don't know. I just wasn't feeling it. Let's uh, let's move on to the main event of the entire card, and this was MJF, the AEW World Champion, taking on Brian Danielson in a 60-minute Ironman match for the AEW World Championship. I want to start off with this one, but I was really nervous about this match. Because when we think of Iron Man matches, it's it was not just Brett Sean. They did other Iron Man matches on SmackDown. They did. Um, did Kurt Angle take on Chris Benoit in an Iron Man match at one point in time? Um, th there have been other ones. I was just nervous because I wasn't sure they were going to be able to deliver. Did you feel like they were definitely going to be able to deliver? I wasn't sure about MJF if he was going to be able to deliver. He's great talent. Said that umpteen times. But a 60-minute match is a long-ass match. It's a long time. 
And you can only have so much downtime to where you're just killing it off. Well, in the beginning, it felt like that, didn't it? And that's what I, I got a little leery. But no, that match was excellent. And another, so, But I, I got to backpedal just for a second. Sorry, Mike. About the last match, the tag match. Yeah. Linda's watching it with me. Okay. And she asked who Sanjay Dutt was. She's seen <laughs> him in this segment before. She's like, who is he? He's, he, he irritates me. I, I don't like him. Maybe he's just an idiot. You know, the pencil looks stupid. Da, da, da. And then once the match starts, Linda looks at me, stone cold serious. I hope he gets hit with a chair. Wow. <laughs> Holy shit. So I just had to bring that up because it was just hilarious. And she said it just nothing more to it than that. I hope he gets hit with a chair. But see, people like Linda are the best examples because they don't have a dog in the fight, right? Yeah. They are completely neutral. They are the perfect person to say, what do you think? Yep. And I mean, evidently, Sanjay's getting over because the average person, an average young lady sits down in a chair and watches it and she doesn't like him. So do you think in some times that we become jaded since we've been watching it for so long and we have such high expectations that if it doesn't reach that level we're like well that was that was stupid yep. that's a hundred percent what it is we're spoiled you know we know too much yeah I mean, i've never said that about myself in my life <laughs> did i know too much but i no, will never claim to be intelligent <laughs> but, but you know what i mean though mike like we, we, sure. we know too much like we you, do too much of the insights so you can't just watch it for what it is because Okay, this is what should happen. This guy should go over or this move or whatever. That's how our brains think. Versus Linda sits down, watches it, doesn't know who next nobody is. And she just okay, Takes this the face is the I get from this guy. Correct. Or from this girl or whatever it is. So, so it's it's perfect. That's that's something I wish I could do at this point. Amen. But, well, it is what it is. It was unfortunately you can't. You, I can't just watch it and take it at face value anymore. And I'm sure you're much the same. And I'm sure the bulk of the people listening to this when they download it are going to be in the same boat. Yep. We can't just watch it for what it is anymore. Correct. So. So anyway, I, I apologize for interrupting. I just thought no. you would a kick out of that. But that made a lot of sense because, once again, she is an unbiased person. She's a blank slate. She watches it. She gives her honest opinion on something. And I think that's why a lot of companies do focus groups. A lot of companies will say, hey, you know what? We have something. You might not have seen this before, but give me your honest response to this. And what do you think? And if somebody who doesn't watch it says, oh, I hate those bad guys. Then you're like, wow, okay. They they must be really doing what they're supposed to do because I'm annoyed with what they're doing because I don't think that's the way a bad guy should be. Mm-hmm. But the average person is saying, no, I don't like that. And maybe we should try to get back to that. But once again, once the horse is out of the barn, you can't you can't put it back in. You can't unsee what you saw. So the match itself was interesting. Um I like the guns, like I said before. I hope they continue to get a push because they definitely 
are growing and becoming better. And I love the fact that Tony Khan is saying, you know what? I'm going to go against the grain. I'm going away from what is hot right now, which is the acclaimed. And I'm going to go with the guns because if I can elevate the guns, the acclaims already on that level. The bucks are on that level. I just wish that the other team that would have been selected would have been even in a losing effort. John Silver and John or um, you John Silver and Alex Reynolds oh, or yeah. Butcher and Blade. Yeah, Jeez, it wouldn't make better sense. Unfreaking believable. All right, let, let's get back to the Brian Danielson uh, MJF match. And and you were saying a few moments ago that your biggest concern about this match, um, maybe not living up to expectation, but was the fact that you weren't really sure if MJF was going to be able to have the the motor that somebody like a Brian Danielson would. And I would agree with you 100% because it's a different style. Mm-hmm. Brian Danielson is fast-paced. Boom, 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 boom. And MJF is, is, is a throwback to the territories of the Mid-Atlantic. He's very methodical. He's slower. He does all the heel stuff with the audience, which we'll get to the audience part. Mm-hmm. Oh, my God. Um, we'll get to that part as well. But in the beginning of that match, it just seemed like, are they going to milk this 60 minutes? Like, okay, we're going to do, we're going to kill the first five, and then we're just going to chain wrestle for a while and have some holds, and then 10 minutes will go by, and then we'll start doing a little bit. But it's just... It was slow, but it definitely picked up. And I will say the the falls were very interesting the way they happened. Very interesting the way they happened. At the end of the day, it was tied 3-3. Three to three. It goes into overtime. Tony Khan gets a hold of uh, Tony Schiavone. Schiavone plays the hold on. Something's happening in my earpiece. He walks down the ramp, talks to Justin Roberts. Justin Roberts makes the announcement. That we're going into sudden death. We have to have a victory. We have to have a winner. Uh, MJF does his dastardly deeds. He uses uh, an ex, uh, an oxygen tank to hit uh, Brian Danielson and then uses the dynamite ring and then ends up uh, putting on the LaBelle lock. And it looked like Brian Danielson was going to tap out, but then he slowly started to wither on the vine and he ended up losing. Max retains the championship. So you say that you had some concerns, but overall, looking back now, now a few days has gone by. What's your thoughts on that match? And what I mean by it is in the pantheon of Iron Man matches, do you think this one holds itself up and indefinitely uh, has the has the legs to be an all-time great? Yep, I do. I honestly do. Like you said, the beginning was slow, and that's just threw up red flags. My God, what what are we getting into? But man, once it got going, it got going. And it just kept going, like a train. Took a bit to get going, but then it got flying. And I, I thoroughly enjoyed the match. I enjoyed the finish. It's a perfect heel finish cheated just an absolute asshole move he cheated to win but he did and it it works out perfectly you don't want your heel or i don't want my heel anyhow to just win no i want them to cheat 
because they're a heel. They're supposed to. That's what I want. I don't want them winning clean. Not at all. That doesn't have the value to me. Cheat. Become a bigger heel. Make me hate you more. Right? Make the fans hate you more. The finish was excellent. I had no wish. I thought it was a great match. Yeah, it was definitely a great match. Um, I, I definitely agree with that right there. Let me ask you. There was a lot of people on social media during the pay-per-view that the build-up to this match, MJF kept mentioning, I'm the best in the world. I'm the best in the world. Was there any part of you that in the back of your mind was thinking, oh, my God, if there was a moment for CM Punk to come back, it would come. he would come back after this match ended? Nope. Never crossed my mind. Some people on, on social media were saying that. And I, I'm going to, I fed into it. I actually thought at one point in time, if it was going to happen, it, it would be now. Um, does it change your perspective on the whole all out brawl when more people are starting to open up and talk about it? Meaning, I, I don't mean that they're willing to say that I'll never work with this person again. But now, you know, Jericho, who said that, you know, you're not good for this locker room X, Y, Z. Recently, he came out and said, I really enjoyed working with CM Punk. Um, Kenny Omega has talked about, you know what? I don't think anybody really came out on top when it came to the brawl. It should have never happened. Things got out of hand, out of context. No one will really know the true story uh, unless you were one of the few people that were in the room when it happened. Do you find in any way, shape, or form that they could do business? Or do you think, because you got to think, man, I mean, if you were going to keep the guy sitting at home so he can't jump ship to WWE, do you just pay him to sit home? Is that literally what you do till his contract expires? Because... Once it expires, I mean, do you think he'd still go to WWE, or do you think by the time the contract runs out, that window has closed for him to return? I could go back. Excuse me, he could still go back to WWE. Um, I leave him home. That's me. I leave him home. He's got a track record of being a royal pain in the ass. So if you bring him back, what's to stop him from doing all this bullshit again? And then where are you? You're no further ahead. You know, he's injured a fair bit. No, I mean, he's getting a little bit older, a lot of wear and tear on his body. I mean, whether you like him or hate him, he's not a bad wrestler. Okay, yeah. And he's had some great matches, and it's all taken his toll on him. Yes. Right, so I don't think you'll ever see him back. If he were to go to WWE, he wouldn't be doing house shows and whatnot. Correct. He just doesn't have it in him anymore. So he could, in theory, go back to WWE after his contract's up. I don't know when it's up at AEW, but if I'm Tony Khan, yeah, keep your ass at home. I'll go one further. I probably would have cut him. No problem, man. You want to go back to see Vince? Or I guess it would have been Triple H then. Fill your boots. Okay, so. You're doing us not a damn bit of good. I'm paying you good money to sit on your ass. I, I suspended you 
with pay, basically. Yeah. You're home because you're a disciplinary issue, but I'm paying you money. That's just we did, what they did. It was Andrade. Yeah. I mean, he's getting paid right now to sit at home yeah. because of and his behavior. Not smart either. No. Right. Would you get paid to sit at home? You do something stupid no. at work tomorrow. They got to pay you. No way. I think here's what I think. I think if you get suspended or reprimanded from a wrestling company due to your actions, you should still be under contract. But you should be at during that time that you're suspended, suspended without pay, and you should still have to. After that's over, you'd have to have that time missed tacked onto your end of your contract. Matt Real getting paid? Matt Real's definitely getting paid. Does he still offer a suspension? Well, he, the suspension mm-hmm. had, I guess, allegedly wrapped up, but they didn't have anything for him leading into WrestleMania, from what I've been told. And therefore, they're going to keep him off until the Monday after WrestleMania uh, to kind of bring him back fully, you know, a brand new version of Matt Riddle. Um, right now, WWE doesn't believe there's enough time right now to, to build something up with him. So, and they've went ahead and they've retweaked their substance abuse policy now. So it used to be three strikes and you're out at the old ball game. Not the case anymore in WWE. So, but then again, they make their rules as they go. It's just one of those weird deals, but well, they can start company. It's very much so. So. I don't know when Punk's contract is set to expire, but I think it's interesting uh, just thinking about it. Like, in my opinion, if you were to bring CM Punk back, right, there may be that initial spike in ratings, right? But then it probably would cool down. Like, we weren't getting over a million every single time Punk was on AEW every single week. Of course not. There's going to be that honeymoon period, right, where that's hotshot booking, and then all of a sudden it'll come back down to earth and it will level back out. So if you're a young company and you're planning for the future, does it behoove you to invest in a 40-year-old man who is a 40-plus-year-old man who is already injury-prone? Where does that get you? Nowhere. Probably not. And if you're WWE, you already have a bunch of people in NXT. You have some young people you've just brought up to the roster. Are you going to put a 40-some-year-old man who's injury-prone ahead of them, which is the future of the company? No. So. Sure about that? Well, depends on who's booking. So we're going to talk about that in a second. So overall, um, that match... That match got the final grade of... Had to be A+. plus. It was given an A. Mm, I would have scored it higher than that. To me, it was a solid A+. plus. It was a very good match. You got a police scanner on? Nope. That's Linda came out of the, out of the office and she's listening to God only knows what she's listening to on her phone. <laughs> Probably so that's, General Hospital or something. That's the AEW Revolution pay-per-view. Love to know what your thoughts are on the pay-per-view itself. You can either hit me up on social media, hit the butt up on social media, DM us. Let us know if you agree, you disagree, or what your thoughts are on how you would handle uh, the Hobbs-Wardlow situation. And where do you go 
with Dan Housen. What do you do with the All Atlantic Championship? I mean, we agree that you know it, it needs to be somewhere else. At least in my opinion, it needs to be somewhere else. But who is that somewhere else? And what do you do with Alex uh, Reynolds and John Silver? Um, there's a lot of questions about what do you do with certain people, and I feel like AEW really needs to start addressing these because they're either going to be part of your future or they're on the outs. So I want to give you an update really quickly on the WrestleMania card. So once again, WrestleMania is going to be happening April 1st and 2nd this year. It's going to be a very exciting two-night event. Now, let's go down the card and tell you the matches that we have already and which matches have recently been announced. Roman Reigns is going to be taking on Cody Rhodes for the undisputed WWE Universal Championship. Charlotte Flair will be taking on Rhea Ripley for the WWE SmackDown Championship. Bianca Belair will take on Asuka for the Raw Women's Championship. Brock Lesnar is taking on Omos. Kind of weird, but... Uh, Gunther is going to be involved in a fatal five-way. And it's going to be Gunther, Sheamus, Kofi Kingston, Karrion Cross, and L.A. Knight are all set to meet on the March 10th episode of SmackDown to determine who will fill that fifth slot. Austin Theory is officially going to be taking on John Cena at WrestleMania for the WWE United States Championship. Seth Rollins will be sparring with Logan Paul. And Becky Lynch and Lita have accepted. Uh, and Trish are going to be going against Damage Control, Bailey, Dakota Kai, and Iro Shirai. Now, other matches that are being teased right now and yet to be confirmed is going to be Bobby Lashley versus Bray Wyatt, Edge versus Finn Balor, possibly with a stipulation, Ray Mysterio versus Dominic Mysterio, and Sami Zayn and Kevin Owens versus the Usos. So, Look for that in the next month to take place as far as these matches being solidified. But let me ask you this question. John Cena, Austin Theory, they have been put into the same category for many, many uh, conversations now. Do you Are you excited about this match? And let me ask you, does Cena put Austin Theory over or is Cena victorious again? Oh, he's putting Austin Theory over. Uh Lake it or lump it, just we'll get used to it at this point. They're going to try to push Austin Theory and make him a star. And I think he could be. I'm not necessarily all in on him. But he's he's got a lot of talent. Right? He, he could be your guy that you can build. And he's still young. He's 24, I think, or something like that. Just a young fella. So he's he's going over. Now, my thing is, so you're going to bring Cena back just to lose? Uh, well, see, that's my that's I'm my. I'm not big sure thing. how I feel about that. I don't know how. How does it help? Well, so now it's not important to have him come back anymore because he's just going to get jobbed out. But see, here's the thing, though. It's the similar situation with Wardlow and Willie Hobbs. So you have Austin Theory. You want to obviously put him in the ring with a veteran to make him look good. And on the biggest stage of them all, he gets a, a, a title retention. But yet you put him over John Cena. Is John Cena could come in just to take the loss? No, that wouldn't make sense because now you've had John Cena lose at WrestleMania. But then again, John Cena is not around very often. So would it really hurt him? Or would you have John Cena beat your up and coming guy 
which it doesn't really matter that Cena wins because we've seen him beat everybody in the world. And what does that do for your future, which is Austin Theory? Plus, now you got the belt on John Cena. Is he planning on sticking around and defending this at, at Backlash or at SummerSlam or King of the Ring or any of that stuff? Do you see him coming back, not full-time, but full-time short-term? Like, what the hell do you do with this? So I'm in agreement with you. You're going to have to have Cena lose. It's going to have to be a screw finish, in my opinion where Austin Theory does something and then gets the uh, the the win nefariously because if it's that way, Cena doesn't get damaged. Obviously, Theory stays a heel. He keeps his belt. He doesn't lose to the veteran. Everybody goes home happy. But once again, sometimes you paint yourself into a corner because you think that that's what the audience wants when in reality you got to do what's going to make sense long-term booking. But if Austin Theory beats Cena, like you said, it's going to be a screwy finish. He's going to cheat. So is that just that's it? I would I between the two of them. Yeah, yeah, I, absolutely. That's so. That's how. That's going to be your payoff. That's I mean, how it, you, that's how you kill it all off. Is Austin Theory cheats to win and Cena, you know, goes to back to Hollywood. Not it's an attraction match. I don't mean it. I don't know, Mike. Once again, there's no good outcome to this. I, I don't know. I'm glad I'm not booking up. I mean, I think there's some matches in here that are very interesting here. Like Seth. I think Seth Rollins' match would be really good with Logan Paul. I think Bianca Belair match versus Asuka is going to be great. We all want to see Rhea Ripley win the SmackDown Championship because we're so nauseated with Charlotte Flair. She will. I, I think the Cody Rhodes Roman Reigns thing is going to be interesting because the WWE Universe really loves Cody Rhodes right now. But this whole Cody Rhodes Roman Reigns situation, if I hear Dusty's name come up one more time, I mean, I'm sorry, God rest his soul. He did so many things, but this feud, bud, cannot be about Dusty Rhodes. If I hear Dusty Rhodes' name come up one more damn time, I'm going to turn the television off. We need to say, address that he was with uh, uh, Florida Championship Wrestling in NXT, and he did, was the one who trained Roman Reigns. That's great, but it doesn't have to be Every single time that Paul Heyman uh, segment was all about Dusty. And the Roman Reigns segment was all about Dusty. What is the focus here? Is it Dusty's the focus? Or is the focus Cody Rhodes going after a championship that his father never had the opportunity to win? I mean, it's, it's a family redemption story. I get it. But at what point do you say, enough with the Dusty talk? Yeah, it is getting a little long in the tooth, the dusty talk, but it, it is relevant. I'll dusty, give you that. Dusty never won it. He I never give got you the big championship. Nope. Cody had you no know, he trained by his dad, wrestled with his dad. His brother was there too. Cody left. Went and did his own thing. Now he's back to win the title that his dad never got, that his brother never got. You know, so it it is relevant, and that's the thing. 
is it nauseating at times? Yes, but it it does have significance to it. It is a big part of this program is, you know, he's trying to redeem his dad's name. You know, daddy couldn't do it. And his dad's a legend, but he never did it. I'm going to do it. I'm going to win it for me. I'm going to win it for my dad. I'm going to win it for my family. So they need they need to have the dusty aspect to it. It just doesn't need to be all of it. And at times, that's kind of what it's turned into. Yes. So have them in the mix. It has to be part of it. It just it can't be all dusty. Amen. I agree. Um, another thing that I think is interesting about WrestleMania that's been announced. So Becky Lynch is going to be teaming up with Lita and Trish Stratus to take on Damage Control, which is obviously going to be Bailey, Dakota Kai, and Irish Rai. This is going to be, in my opinion, an attraction match because at the end of the day, it has three uh, really successful women. Becky Lynch, successful. Lita and Trish are already Hall of Famers. And be and Becky Lynch and Lita are tag t- champions. Trish, like I said, is a Hall of Famer. I think they're going to make short order of damage control. Again, I see this as an attraction match. You don't bring legends back unless it's an attraction match. Um, you're not going to have them drop the titles. I mean, why would you have them drop the titles right now, especially since they just won them? But I don't know. I don't know how this progresses or furthers the younger stars unless at some point in time Becky and Lita end up losing to another team but I just this has a traction match written all over it where they all raise their hands at the same time and turn around four times Mm -hmm. to every side of the ring and get their picture taken and and everybody has a happy moment so how long is Becky and Lita gonna sorry Mike go ahead I apologize you're fine. How long do you think Becky and Lita are going to hold the titles? Really? Um, this is not a long-term deal. It can't be. It really, really can't be. Unless here's what you, unless this happens. Unless they do a mega power situation. Where all of a sudden, something happens that almost causes them to lose the titles. They don't. Like at WrestleMania Backlash, which is the next pay-per-view. Mm-hmm. After Mania. All of a sudden, a riff happens between Lita and Becky. And you build that up to SummerSlam where those two will go one-on-one with each other after they drop the tag titles. That's the only thing I can think of. And then Lita puts Becky over. It gets a big pop from the audience. And Lita goes home. That's what's going to eventually happen. I mean, Lita's not going to kick around forever in a day. No, no. Right? It will be her putting Becky over. And rightfully, it should be. I agree. 100%. Um, Another match that I am really interested in, and it is not Brock Lesnar versus Omos, which I'm staying away from intentionally. It would be... It would be Gunther. So Gunther, once again, he's going to be in a fatal five-way. So... Drew McIntyre, Sheamus, Kofi Kingston, Karrion Cross, and LA Knight are all scheduled to meet uh, on Friday's episode of SmackDown to determine who will fill the spot. I like Gunther. I like the Imperium. 
tremendously. I think Gunther, in my opinion, very well could be WWE champion. I have no issues with him potentially become WWE champion. I think that he would be a great person to have as champion. It would be completely different than Roman Reigns, and I think that's a good thing. After you've had Roman for, what, three years? you got to cleanse your palate from that, and you got to go ahead and try something different. I think he would be a perfect next-fitting champion. However, who's probably going to be champion at that time is Cody Rhodes. Could you see a Cody Rhodes um, Gunther program that leads up to something like a SummerSlam? Hmm. Yeah, I can see that. I think Cody could have a good match with just about anybody. I think he's very talented. I would agree with that. I think his skill sets allow him to get in the ring with a lot of people. Who would you no. like? To see, who would you like to see Cody go against after he wins the title? The people on the roster. Um, who would now, does my answer need to make sense, or can it be like a purely "I want to see this match"? It has to make some level of sense. Well, I because you're gonna you're gonna throw in um, Otis at some point. Actually, I wasn't even thinking Otis, but I'd watch that match for sure. Otis can wrestle; he's really good. I just he can wrestle. I just don't get the the, the goofiness. Oh, I just I'm done with the comedy. I'm just I'm I'm done with comedy wrestling. I'm done with it. Anyway, continue. Who do you think would? Would contest um, for the belt against Cody. Who would be the first challenger? Drew. Drew McIntyre. That would make sense. I yeah, can see that. That's the first name popped into my head. Um, Is Kofi Kingston's championship shots done? Long done. He's, he will never get another sniff. He had it. He had his run. It's over. Brock Lesnar ended that, and evidently Daniel Bryan had said, or Brian Danielson had said, that that really upset him. That someone like Kofi Kingston, who had worked for so long to become WWE champion, to squash him in seven seconds or whatever the hell it was, was disrespectful to Kofi Kingston in the in the fact that you didn't give him a quality match even in a losing effort to make him look good, you just let Brock come in and just squash him. But made the belt look bad too. It did. It made it look like, oh, this nobody has it. Yeah. So you think it would be Drew McIntyre? That's who I'd like. Do you That's think it's going Do you think it's gonna be whoever wins this fatal five way is gonna be in line for a title shot? Probably, yeah, I think. So let's... I, I, I'm I, not a Gunther fan, so I... If it's him, I don't care. You have no interest in that? Not at all. Okay, so let's talk about everyone in this fatal fight. Yeah. So let's just say, okay, so Drew McIntyre. Uh, I, I believe, in my opinion, they're going to... Man, they are really going to go hardcore with LA Knight. I think they're really going to push the crap out of LA Knight. Yeah. And what was his name in TNA? 
Oh, we talked about this a couple weeks ago. Oh, my God. Hold on. I'm working on it. L.A. Knight. Formerly is who? So, when you look at some of these people, yeah, Drew McIntyre definitely could be in the running. Sheamus, definitely. Kofi, no. (laughs) Karrion Cross, I think at one point in time, could have had the opportunity, but I think, I don't know what. He didn't do it. WWE squandered him, ruined it. I I would yeah, concur with that. I don't that. know what happened there. Just bad news. I thought you were about to tell me. I think you were about to tell me that LA Knight's former name was Squawk. I was going to say, whoa, it's getting freaking late at night. But Squawk? And we're done for tonight. Let's just move ahead. Oh, my God. Uh, Eli Drake. Eli Drake, yes. Eli Drake. No, Karrion Cross got squandered. I agree. I agree with that. So, um, some once again, some other matches that are going to be potentially taking place at WrestleMania, but they're not confirmed. Bobby Lashley versus Bray Wyatt, uh, which once again we talked about this. Not really sure why they decided to go in that direction. Edge versus Sin Balor. I think that makes a lot of sense. Obviously, you have both of them who were in Judgment Day. Mm-hmm. They would want to get some revenge. We just saw a tag match between Rhea Ripley. Infant Infant Balor versus Beth Phoenix and Edge and Edge and Beth Phoenix won. So what could potentially happen in this match? Would the women get involved? Dominic and Rey Mysterio. Um, I'm not that interested in Dominic. Like there's nothing about Dominic that says, hold on, I'm not going to flip the channel. Dominic's on TV. I got to see what Dominic is going to do. I'll do you one better, Mike. Oh, Dominic's on. I'm going to get a beer. Okay. All right. Fair enough. Beer break. So if you have a Dominic versus Ray, I mean, the father's obviously going to want to do what's best for his son and put him over. But do you realize how, unless it was a fuck finish, it wouldn't make sense to have Dominic beat Ray Mysterio. No. How, how? In what world would that make sense unless it was a screw finish? I didn't want to think about it. Like that whole match is just foolish. But there's not even a. There should be this big build up though, and there's not this build up for it. I feel like it's not. You don't have enough time right now to build something truly up between those two, and that's something that I think if you're doing a father versus son, that's a big deal. A huge deal. And I think it deserves more than what they would be giving it right now to, I don't want to say rush it, but I mean less than a month from WrestleMania. That means you've got four Raws left, four SmackDowns left. Are you going to be able to put a real good storyline together in in that small of amount of time? It could happen, but uh, you wouldn't get like a super strong story because it's four weeks. But you could develop a story. But I just don't think it's going to be, wow, this is quality storytelling. You know what I mean? No, I'm with you 100%. Um, Talk about a lack of quality storytelling. Uh, I'm not sure if you heard this, but Vince McMahon actually appeared. And he was backstage at Monday Night Raw this past week. I'm going to read you something here. Uh, This is by Nick uh, Tylerwalk. 
He says, pro wrestling world is buzzing after Monday when word circulated around that Vince McMahon was backstage at Monday Night Raw for the first time since his return to the company. Now, as it turns out, however, it was not exactly what it appeared to be. He didn't say anything, and he did not give any orders. Triple H was still in complete control of it right now. However, his appearance did turn some heads because it looks like right now Vince McMahon is sporting a mustache these days. Um, he arrived with his hair dyed and a mustache. And he does look like Gomez Adams from the Adams family is what people are saying right now. Now, as far as do we think Vince McMahon is actually, in fact, back within the company? And could we, sure, should we be concerned that he may be back in booking? Once again, let's kind of give you a timetable. Vince resigned or was forced out of the company. Six months later, he forces his way back into the company, fires the board, rehires the board that he had in power. They unanimously vote him in as chairman of the company again. He then moves back into, from what we understand, his office. He had not been at a Monday Night Raw or a Friday Night SmackDown. However, he started to sit in on the creative meetings and he would throw his ideas out to Triple H. Now we also found out he's now on conference calls, and now he is, in fact, officially backstage, sitting in gorilla position. Now some people were wondering if it was just because he was going to catch up with his former employee, John Cena, but that didn't seem to be the case. More people think that this is his way of taking baby steps until he's officially back, complete control of WWE. And at that point, where does that leave Paul Levesque. Let me ask you this question, but we thought we thought that this guy was done for. We did. We thought he was done for. It's over. There's no coming back from this. At this point in time, is there anything uh, aside from a criminal indictment that this man can do and not recover from? Because he seems to have more than nine lives. Yeah, Vince can do damn near anything. It would need to be something bad, bad for them to get rid of him. And they tried. They did. Didn't work out. Nope. So, but you also need to realize he owns the company. So he, he does. If he owns it, you can't very well get to him and say, "Yeah, we get you're the owner, but don't come to work. You're not allowed around." Well, hate to break it to you, I'm Vince McMahon, and I own all this. So if I feel like coming to SmackDown, I'm going to be a SmackDown. If I feel like being the ring announcer tonight, guess what? I'm going to be the ring announcer. You know why? Because yeah. I can. Because yeah. I'm Vince McMahon. Yep. So, but it's going gonna, it's gonna to take, it you know, sounds bad to say, but like something criminal. Or it's going to take a health issue, and you never want that. That's no. just that's not good, you know. That's just you don't want to see somebody get sick or anything else. So let's let's hope that never happens. But it's going to take something like that. It's going to take some god awful criminal thing, or he's going to have to get sick. Nothing else is going to stop him. No, this is everything to him. And if you take that away, he's, what is he? He's still disgustingly rich, but 
but this is his whole identity. And it's his company. Do you think in any way, shape, or form that the concept of selling the company is still something he wants to do? And the reason why I, I pose this question is he's doing all these things to come back in power. Is he going to come back in power just to turn around and sell a company? Do you still think that there is legitimate belief that he wants to sell the company? Or yes. do you think that that's not going to happen? Uh, he, he's, I could see him still wanting to sell. How old do you know? 71. Let's see here. Let me get his official age. Uh, let's see here. I want to say he's 70. He was born in 1945. Shoot, what is his age? I'm terrible with math. So 1945 is what? Alexa, how old is Vince McMahon? Seventy-seven years old. Thank wow! You. When you said that, my my A machine was in sync with yours. Oh, really? Yes. So he's seventy-seven. Seventy-seven. So you know, even though this is his whole life, at a certain time, you would think, you would hope he's going back. Ah, made my money. You know, maybe he maybe. Well, I'll throw this one out there. Maybe he feels he has to come back to get the product to where it needs to be for him to get paid. Well, the company is only valued between five and six billion, and and I say that and that sounds crazy, but he's looking for nine, and I think we talked about this in a prior episode. He's asking more than the company's actually appraised to be. Do you think people are willing to overpay to get WWE? Yep. Absolutely. Because you you got to think they're worth five or six now. Mm-hmm. But that's going to grow. You know, this is, that's just the way it is. True. It will get bigger. It will be worth more. They're going to get their cash back. I mean, it's going to take a while to recoup $9 billion. But they'll get it back. It's a long-term investment deal, though. If you're not... You're not breaking even in five years' time. No, it's going to be quite a while. I agree with you on that. Um, I don't know. I just... God, it's such a goofy company. It's such a goofy guy, meaning Vince McMahon. You just don't know what this guy is attempting to do. Like his... trying Trying to figure out Vince McMahon is trying to put logic into an illogical situation, and that is the insides of his brain. Um, we definitely going to talk more about this as well as time goes on. I want to move on be, just because for the sake of time, um, there was an incident that happened at AEW Revolution where a fan was had a drink thrown on them. So for those of you who saw the pay-per-view, Max does a lot of goofy heel things when he's walking around ringside. So he took a drink out of a woman's hand and then tossed it onto... Um, a child, a teenager, whatever you want to call, whatever age this individual was, took the drink out of her hand and tossed it on him, and he got wet. The first thing that came to my mind was, it's a plant. It's a plant in the audience. Yeah, he's going to do something heelish, but it's not, no. That's that's That doesn't fly. Well, from what I've heard, evidently, the mother got very upset and the drink was 
um, I don't want to say it was vodka, but it was something. And I'm thinking, is that true? If it was vodka at a wrestling event and it was thrown at a vodka. Yeah, that doesn't make any sense. Well, anyway, uh, after it happened, um, Amanda Huber, uh, according to Sean Ross Sapp, went out and uh, tried to console the situation and, and you know, kind of make it better. Uh, asked the child to come backstage. They got him cleaned up and dried off. Uh, his mother was there as well. He wanted to see his favorite wrestler. He went ahead and got to see his favorite wrestler. They're going to give him tickets to Dynamite as well. They apologize emphatically. And then I guess Tony Khan had a, a long talk with Max uh, before the media scrum had started on Sunday night. A lot of people are getting upset about this and they're saying that it was inappropriate for him to throw a drink on a kid. What is your take on this whole situation? I feel like it's gotten blown up more than it really should be, which once again, Hey, no news alert here. Everything nowadays gets blown up bigger than what it should be. What was your take on that? Did you think that was a stage thing or did you think Max really did that? And because he did that, were you surprised or were you like, eh, it's just part of his shtick? Uh, like everybody, I assumed it was a plant. Uh, I don't think anybody seen that or a few people anyhow seen that, but who Max just threw a drink on that kid. Right. But, well, we all knew, but you know what I mean? Yep. He just threw a drink on this random kid. Nobody believed that would happen. Uh, he went too far. I agree. Uh, Max is trying to relive the old school heel gimmick, which yeah. I love. But you can't anymore. Not to the same extent. The stuff that was done, like your Roddy Piper stuff, a lot of stuff he did, can't be done anymore. Correct. Max is teetering on that at times. And this was one of the times he, he went over. I get I get it, man. And and I me personally, I enjoy it. But in today's day and age, with the way society is, which we're not gonna go down this road, but you get where I'm going. Mm-hmm. You can't do stuff anymore. You can't throw a drink, whether it be an adult beverage or a cup of water. Yeah, on somebody, much less a kid. You know, I, I get you're you're a bad guy. You're trying to get heat. Oh, he got it. We just can't do that no more. That'll upset somebody, and next thing, that's an assault charge or something like that, or a lawsuit, or God only knows what. So he he went too far on that. I don't think it was a huge deal personally. Like, yeah, it was it was a dick move, but. Million Dollar Man was a bit of a dick back in the day, kicking the basketball away from people and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. So it's just times have changed, and Max is playing the old school heel. You just can't go to the extreme the old school heels did anymore. You had to tone it down a little bit. I agree with you on that one. I agree with you 100% on that one. Um, I think what, even when people don't like Max, what they do like about Max is the fact that he brings that old school version of wrestling back into a world that is too Hollywood right now. It is too pre-planned. It's too many spots. 
it's too much of that. And I think at the end of the day, what you're trying to do is you're trying to in, involve a little bit more of what wrestling used to be as far as getting back to its roots. And I think he does a great job at doing uh, just exactly that. But once again, you also have to take things into consideration. Um, I thought it was a plan to begin with. And then Sean Ross Saplin tweeted, it seems like MJF just threw a drink that wasn't on a plant in the audience. He was very upset. Um, evidently, AEW went back and got the kid an acclaimed foam finger and AEW talked to the child to try to smooth things over. Amanda Huber is out there handling it now. They later took him backstage to see his favorite AEW wrestler, Will Hobbs, who he got to spend some time and interact with as well. Brian Alvarez, reporter from Wrestling Observer Radio, uh, that the cup was, water was not in the cup. Instead, uh, it was uh, apparently tequila, and a fan was upset that tequila uh, was actually thrown on the kid. Here's a question. How do you get a tequila drink at a wrestling event? I thought it was soft drinks and beer. No. You can get a a tequila drink at a wrestling show. I can't say I've ever gone looking for tequila, but I've had whiskey at Really? Oh, yeah. Now, how she can afford that much tequila at one of those shows is shocking well my my thought was when you look at the still shot of the picture of him throwing it that looked like a full glass of water to me and i'm like yeah. and it was event, been, evidently tequila that would be a pr- I know, the last show i was at that had booze that was like nine or ten bucks a drink so that's one ounce of whiskey so you get one of those plastic cups, as much as it looked like in that, it was, that would have been 60 or 70 bucks. I mean, I'd be pissed off, too, if he took my drink and threw it away. Yeah, but you drinking straight tequila, like, I, I don't drink. Yeah, I, would, I have. So it's straight tequila? You don't mix that with anything? No, most people don't. Okay. Because I know if you're drinking Jack, it's a Jack and Coke, or you can do bourbon and Coke, or... Whatever you want to do, mix Who it does bourbon and coke. Stop buying cheap bourbon. You don't need to mix it with coke. I'm not saying I do it. It makes my head hurt. I'm just I'm just saying some people do. No. Um, but yeah, that, a tequila drink at a what? I know some people mix their tequila with Sprite or seven up. Okay. I'm not a big tequila guy, so Never had it, so I could never tell you. Um, interesting. Interesting, interesting, interesting. Um, any thoughts? Oh, I know I want to come back and circle around about this. Let me ask you this before we, we start to put a uh, put a bow on this. Creative control when it comes to wrestlers and their contracts. Letting them have say-so when it comes to matches, match outcomes, what they say in promos. Um, the stipulations of their matches, maybe being able to lay out the entire match. I clearly think that gives way too much control to one person. And it definitely starts to potentially create a riff amongst the other talent as well. There is some thought that there may be some people in AEW who have creative control. I don't know if that is true or not. However... 
Do you think creative control ever serves a purpose at all in pro wrestling? Yes. Tell me how to a degree. You see a situation that creative control would be good to be able to say, hey, I'm whipping up my creative control card here. That's not working for me. It, it opens up avenues to discussion. Now, when I say them having creative control, I don't think they should be able to say, you know, Mike, you booked me in this match. I don't like it, so we're not doing it. That, no. Now, if you're booking me against the rent, I can be looking at Mike. How about this idea? We go with this, this finish, you know, this type of match, blah, 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 something like that. That I'm okay with because it just opens up the discussion. You get different people coming up with different ideas. You would think in theory you should end up with a better product as opposed to one person dictating the whole shooting match. But it should be your booker at the end of the day has the final say in it. You, you should be able, any talent should be able to go to the booker. Hey, how about we go this route, we go that route. That I'm a-okay with. The booker makes the call, though. He, they should. It should always be them because they're the booker. That's right. how this, this works. So full creative control, no. Uh, I, don't, I think it's ridiculous. Like You can't go to work and tell the boss what you're going to do and what you're not going to do. But creative control to where you can put in your two cents worth type of thing. Or when you're doing a promo, they more or less give you a couple points but let you loose. I'm okay with that. That'd be about it for my take on creative control there. You need to have some input, but you don't get the final say. I like that. Very interesting. Love to know what your thoughts are on creative control in wrestling. If it serves a purpose, like Butt said, with be able to have some input on it, um, but he definitely is in the camp where they should not be able to dictate, hey, I win tonight or this match doesn't happen or this is exactly the way the match is going to happen because I'm the one who has creative control over it. He thinks it should be more of an open dialogue and it should afford that talent the ability to express their views but not be the be-all, end-all. I agree with that a lot as well, 100% with that. I, I think once you give the employee the decision to tell the boss no, now you as the boss have lost control and you are no longer the boss uh, in a nutshell. Anything else you can think of that's on the top of your mind about what has happened in wrestling? We've covered so many different things. MJF, we covered the entire AEW Revolution card. We covered WrestleMania. We covered Vince McMahon. We covered the throwing of the drink. Uh, we had a special appearance by the Rit. So many different things have happened on this episode. Uh, I also want to throw this out really quickly that if you're enjoying this podcast, remember you can find this podcast anywhere podcasts are made available. That's Stitcher, iTunes, Deezer, FM Player. Um, so go ahead and check out the podcast. And if you know someone who likes wrestling and likes podcasts, just say, hey, tune into the Front Row Material brand. You're going to the work. You're going into the office. You're going on a train ride or a plane ride. And you just want to sit back and relax. You're not able to fall asleep at night, and yet you want to listen to something. Go ahead and put us on as well. Uh, but is there anything else on your mind about pro wrestling? Uh, no. Uh, 
looking forward to tomorrow night. Want to see how that all shakes out after the big pay per view. And yeah, that's about it. It's a good time to be a wrestling fan right now. Revolution. It is. It's a great. And we got Mania four weeks away. Things are good right now. Soak it all in. Speaking of soaking things in, you might want to do it before they're all sold out, guys. The butt is now officially in retail stores. His amazing woodwork has officially reached the shelves. He is uh he's done it. So, Butster, let me ask you this question here. How does it feel now being in retail stores? I'm very proud of myself. I would uh, be it's very exciting. Proud. Um, a little nerve-wracking because last thing we want to do is you know put your your product out there, you don't sell a damn thing. That's not a good look. Uh, I don't think that's going to happen, but it does cross your mind. Uh, no, I'm very happy, very proud of myself. Uh, it's been, a, uh, I don't mean to sound pompous, but it's been a lot of, a lot of hard work, and I guess I'm half decent at it. People like them, and that's that. I think that's tremendous. And if people would like to get a hold of you to purchase your products, or if they would like to have something commissioned by you or talk to you about maybe having something made, uh, how could they reach out to you? Uh, So you can get me on my Facebook page, CB79 Wooden Toy Maker, or you can get me on Twitter at Gotnoof2291 at G-O-T-N-E-W-F-2291. Send me a message if you've got a question, or even if you're getting into it yourself and you have questions, you need a little bit of help. I'm no Bob Vila by any stretch of the imagination, but I'm half decent. So, I mean, I've tried to build just about everything at this point. So I'll gladly help any advice I can pass on to somebody. Somebody helped me, so at least I can just pass it on to somebody else. I love it. The man is humble, but also I'm not saying this because we're friends. I'm not saying this because we we do the show together. His products are really good, you guys. If you are wanting long-lasting quality products, definitely check out the butt. Again, check out his Facebook page. Check out his Twitter page. Go ahead and hit him with a DM or an instant message on Facebook as well and say, hey, I was listening to the show. I would love to talk to you about X, Y, and Z. Or, you know what? I'm in an aspiring woodworker and I would like to get some of your opinions. The butt would be more than happy to go ahead and give his insight and his level of expertise because once again, he is doing incredibly well with this and we are all very, very proud of him. Um, very welcome. If that is everything and we've covered it all, but it's been fun. Another week in the books, you and I have been doing this for quite a while now, but every week seems to always, the bar rises even more and it just continues to be fun. I cannot thank you enough for carving out some of your evening get it just see what i did there (laughs) carving out a part of your evening to be with us and i also want to thank you the listening audience for being with us as well so for the butt for our executive producer the rit who also is the host of the pesky podcast which once again is about major league baseball specifically the boston red sox you can find them on itunes as well definitely find them and hit them up you can find them on twitter as well Once again, the Pesky Podcast is all about the Boston Red Sox and as spring training is happening right now, they've got so many great things. They've been doing giveaways as well. Tell them that the Front Row Material brand sent you in their direction. I guarantee you will not be disappointed. All right, for the butt, for the writ, my name is Mike Freeland. It has been so much fun. We will catch you on the next episode of the Front Row Material brand.
My name is Mike Freeland, and if you're looking for an exciting wrestling podcast to add to your library, then look no further than the Front Row Material brand. Don't miss it. It's the Front Row Material brand brought to you by the MLW Radio Network.